Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Last week, we celebrated the start of the school year, and it's had me thinking a lot about my experience of school. Do you remember um, group projects and how terrible they are? Like, just the worst. You know why they're the worst? Because working with other people is a bummer. I mean, it just is, right? I mean, if we're being honest. At least, so my wife has started uh, commenting about my, uh, my leadership style, and she is a strong and good critic uh, in really good ways, in ways that are very helpful. So what she says is, Patrick, what I notice is you are perfectly content to be a worker bee, just doing what other people tell you to do, mind not in it, just happy to go along to get along, or you need to be in charge, and there is no happy medium for you. Anybody else resonate with that? Yeah, like, okay, like half the room, good Lord, okay. And those are some strong hands going up. Uh, we're bad sometimes at collaboration because my idea is always the best one. And as soon as someone starts telling me that they have another good idea, it feels like an attack. Amen? Or is this just me? It's just me, I get it. That's fine. That's fine, I'm processing this. It's fine. We'll get there, we'll get there. Group projects for me were always really hard because it felt like this weird in-between. You don't really have the relationships that you need to be honest with your classmates. And also it's something that you're being told you have to do. So you can't really be as flexible as you need to be for group dynamics, but you also don't have the... um, the, the relationships of trust that have been built up over time where you can communicate honestly about like really working through a good idea so that it becomes a great idea. And then what ends up being turned in is something everybody can be vaguely happy with, trusting that you'll get the good grade. But I don't know about you, I've never been incredibly proud of a group project that I turned in. Fair? Yeah. I feel like that, you know, I played team sports growing up. That's my whole, uh, the context for me for really just about everything is team sport dynamics. And things change over time. When I started, when I was like, you know, five years old, running around on a soccer field, sort of not really having any idea who was on my team and who wasn't. Like it was my soccer ball and I was supposed to get it. You know, like uh, it's just a bunch of bees floating around after the ball. You know what I mean? Um, And it's it's just fun. And then eventually you start learning like, oh, there's a difference between my team and their team. And you start having some conversations about how to support your teammates and that you're just not supposed to be the one scoring the goal all the time. And then over time you start splitting up into different positions, right? Like, oh, you know what? You're really good at scoring goals and you're really good at stopping people from scoring goals. We should put you in different parts of the field so that you can do different things and learn. And then eventually you start building up specific skills around that area, right? Could you imagine if like school projects were built like this? where you could learn the particular skills of the people in your class enough to trust them to do the work that you know you're not good at. But we don't do it that way. We just randomly assign people who 
don't know each other to figure it out in about a week. And if we're being honest, and maybe this is my own procrastination speaking here, but in like a night, you try to figure out who can do what things. <laughs> Again, just me. Okay, that's fine. But on a team, you take that long road. You have to build up trust over a long period of time. When I was in high school, um, I joined uh, the lacrosse team as a freshman. Never played before in my life. Uh, never played before in my life. I had been a soccer player all growing up. I was always too small for football, and it was really intimidating. So soccer was my sport. And then when I got to my freshman year, they had just started a lacrosse team. So we had like 20 core guys that started playing lacrosse for the first time that first week the lacrosse team existed. We had no idea what we were doing, and we all knew the other guy had no idea what they were doing either, so we could learn together. And our coaches were able to work with us in that first year where we had a horrible season. We lost every game we played because we were still figuring it out, and we knew we were still figuring it out. And so we started setting up. We knew we wanted to be good. We weren't there yet. And so after we built trust in that first year, we made a commitment to one another that we take time in the off-season to work on our personal practices. I'll throw against the wall however long. You know, if you're, uh, if you're a football player, you'll work on sprints or you'll practice against a dummy. If you're a basketball player, you'll practice those three points and the free, sh free throw, like all the spots that you need to be good. You'll play one-on-one -on -one to be able to practice that, that dynamic so that when you get back to team practice, your work has gotten better and your role has become more defined. So when you get a team, you could say, like me, you know, I know I'm better at defense than I am on offense. And I stopped working on my offensive skills so that I could build my defensive skills even stronger because I trusted the other people on my team who were good on offense to always score the goals. And I would work against them so that we could get better at the same time. Is this making sense? I know I've got a lot of people who are like, go sports in the room. And I want to I wanna acknowledge that. It's the same thing. Maybe, maybe this is the other way. I, um, I played in the middle and high school band. And um, that first day in band practice, if you've been in that room, you know. <laughs> Ain't nobody happy. Ain't nobody happy in there. And you make a commitment to one another. I will practice my part. As the French horn player, I can play a solid C note for minutes at a time. Just hit that same note over and over and over again, because I trusted everybody else was playing their parts well. And as frustrating as I know it was for my parents, and Lord do I know that it was for my parents, as frustrating as it must have been to hear the same note played over and over in perfect time on repeat. You know somebody, um, I had a friend who sang uh, alto in a big choir, same deal, you're singing the same note over and over and over again, while the tenors get to do all the fun stuff up here, and the sopranos get to do all their fun stuff up here, the altos and the basses are singing one thing, and they're going to be good at it. 
Because the trust is there when you get back into the choir, the voices come together to make a beautiful chord. That's what group projects are supposed to be. You learn your skills and your talents and you hone them as an individual so that you can bring the gifts and the talents that you've built up over time into a larger room and they become multiplied with other voices singing the same alongside you and other voices that become dissonant so it becomes larger and fuller and more beautiful. I promise I have a theological point here. In the Wesleyan tradition, we have this idea of uh, balance that John Wesley talked about, but it's not just a Wesley thing. It exists in the church forever, this balance between um, personal piety and social holiness. There are actually monastic orders that are built around the same thing. The idea uh, that St. Benedict, when he built some of the first monasteries, he had a, a rule of life built around the, um, uh, the really four quadrants. You have personal or private um, and communal prayer and work. So you have private prayer and you have communal prayer. You have private work and communal work. And to do just one part of that would miss the full Christian life. So as time went on, John Wesley sort of built on this idea, and he separated it really into two major categories of personal piety and social holiness. And I'm walking back and forth across here because for some reason, when we get to the 21st century, we've created such a bifurcated sense of what our spiritual lives are that we either have this, this idea that exists in, within a lot of our minds that, like, the only thing that really matters is my personal relationship with Jesus. That's it. Once I've acknowledged my dependence on Christ for my own renewed life, everything else falls away. And then you have other folks who are so committed to this idea of social holiness um, that their prayer life has diminished so much that they're getting burnt out in the work of social justice, of trying to change the world and make it better than what it is. And they're doing good work, but they're burning out because they keep hitting their heads against the same wall over and over and over again because their strength isn't coming from this, but is instead coming from within themselves. And as you know, if you've ever been there, when you just pour of yourself all day, every day, you end up with nothing left to give. But we're bad at group work. Too many of us, I feel like, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically for our community here where we've got a lot of people who are like on this half of the spectrum. We've got a lot of people here who don't trust the rest of the team. That they're going to do their work too. I think that can be validated pretty easily, right? Like when does Christianity show up in the news except when we're embarrassing ourselves? I mean, amen. <laughs> like, that's when we show up in the news, when we're embarrassing ourselves. So it makes sense that each of us feels like we have to fix it all ourselves. If you've been that, that person in a group project, you know what I mean, right? Like, I can't trust any of these people to do anything, so I'll do my own project. 
And then what's the conflict when you show up into the room? Oh, everybody else in the group did the exact same thing. And suddenly you have four projects that are sort of okay, but nothing that's actually complete. Because there is no trust built up. Which is why this balance is so important. We can't isolate ourselves. We can't think about our relationship with, I know it's so frustrating, it's so frustrating. We can't just isolate and feel like, you know, the world is embarrassing so much that I'm just going to separate myself from it. Or this is the um, temptation of some modes of like uh, deep personal prayer, meditation, contemplation. When it's not attached within community, it becomes very um, navel gazy, right? And your relationship with God starts to look, well, almost like your relationship with yourself, because there's no one challenging. No one calling you to something bigger. No one um, giving new information. And then suddenly your inner monologue of your own inner voice starts to sound like the voice of God. And suddenly what have you become but your own little divinity? Because everybody else is frustrating. That's a lonely place to be. And I know there's been seasons in my own life where I've been there. Honestly, COVID has really informed a lot of that for me. It was very easy to isolate and separate and think of my own relationship with God as my own relationship with God. And I'll do what I can, but I don't know what all these other people are doing. It was really easy when we were just worshiping online and I was just talking to a little camera, uh, a little, little lens in a camera, like... There's no feedback. There's no conversation. It's just a little camera with a red blinking light and my own thoughts echoing back to me. And so in reactivity to that and starting to notice that in myself, it was really easy to take too big of a step the other direction. You start seeing, and we've talked about this in church a lot, you start seeing more and more Um, Black men and children being killed for reasons that are inexplicable based on hatred and our inability to acknowledge the real deep problems at the roots of our society. And I start feeling like, oh, I need to fix this. It's my responsibility. And to some extent, it is my responsibility. But it's not totally my responsibility. It's our community's responsibility and this balance of personal, deep, reflective prayer with community dialogue and a need for intentionality around our relationships that helps us not just become more committed to justice issues, but to become more committed to the idea of our community well-being, not because I think my community is great, but because God has instilled within our community the potential of absolute and total transformation where love reigns above all things and goodness is known before 
before evil, when we are able to actually wipe out these things that continue to pester us, things that continue to to kill the people in our communities, the things that continue to alienate us from one another, we need one another to acknowledge that well so that we don't burn out and so that we don't isolate. We need one another. It's essential for us to build trust, to know who is the right person for the right role in society and how we can support them. If I'm one who's built for defense, who in this room is built for offense, right? If I'm one who's built for teaching or educating or advocating. We've got so many people in this room who do work around advocacy and policy and teaching and educating kids. And yeah, we've got a new job back there. Yeah, we write, raise that roof. Beautiful. We've got some incredible work being done by people in this room and people who've retired after doing incredible work in this community. If we could just come together with some level of trust that God is working in their lives and that together we can actually transform the world for good, imagine what could be done with this small group of like, I'm bad at counting, like 80, 90 people, something like that. If we actually devoted ourselves to this promise of a kingdom that has no boundaries, that empowers society, that would never leave someone behind, but instead would draw them in. So that, like Lance read for us out of the book of Acts, there is no one in our community who has need. No one whose life is in imminent danger because their community has gathered around them to hold them in grace and love. So those of us who have an abundance of resources can support those who are lacking in this moment. And that relationship can go back and forth. That's our calling. That's the work that we're meant to join in to. So my prayer is that church becomes something of a group project. Hear me out. If we could take the time necessary to learn one another's gifts so that we can build trust over time and do this work right rather than feeling like we have to jump in with such urgency that we do it wrong or we deepen the problems that we experience or we separate ourselves because we're trying to get, we're letting perfection get in the way of just doing the right, faithful, good thing. As you're all well aware, I am certainly incapable of doing this work on my own. I'm prone to pulls in my own spiritual life. And it's because of you that I'm able to maintain a grounded center. And as you have that need, I hope that you too can lean into this community. And I mean that even for those of y'all who are visiting today, but are a part of our extended community. If we can deepen our relationships establish genuine trust and start getting work, getting to work together, guided by God and not by my own passion, I trust that this world will be transformed for good. Amen. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org. Thank you.